When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Heba. What are you doing? Fine, come oh, get it. No, thank you for taking the rubbish. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You know, ordinarily I would take that out, but that might be the only appearance that Ozzy's going to do on this podcast. So let me backtrack. I'm your host, Eva. I am in Sydney in my apartment overlooking the beach. It's lovely. It's amazing. It's great. I have been trying to convince Ozzy to come on the podcast and so far it seems like a no-go, not going to lie. I've made all the good arguments. I actually have an episode fully prepared in my mind with him that I think would be really fun. But yeah, he really doesn't want to. And I guess in romantic relationships, at some point, you kind of have to respect your partner's wishes. It's not my favorite part of being in a romantic relationship, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, moving along to what I'd actually planned on for today, I want to start with saying Happy Noruz or Happy New Year to all of the Persian listeners. I don't know how many of you there are, but I know there is at least one. So um, for everyone else, Happy Spring Equinox if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. I am not, so no one really gives a shit here. So if you don't know about Noruz or Persian New Year or Spring Equinox, I guess. So you can go back to the episode called Why is Rudolph's Nose So Red? I believe it came out on Christmas Eve of 2021. Virgin and I talk a lot about Persian culture, Persian holidays, and how our biggest holiday is called Noruz. It literally means new day, and it marks the beginning of our new year, which coincides with the astrological new year, and it's the moment of the spring equinox. Personally, I think this makes a lot more sense as the new year, 
It's the coming of spring. It's the exiting of winter. It just, it makes more rational sense to me. And then at the same time, I have such fond childhood memories of celebrating Noruz. It's really a month-long affair for Iranians. And in the weeks leading up to it, there's a lot of cleansing and preparing for the new year. So you do your traditional spring cleaning, you get rid of old things. And then the Wednesday before the new year, there is this holiday where you jump over fire and it's supposed to represent the burning away of things that are no longer serving you, I think, or it's possible that I just made that up. I don't know. We'll find out when someone writes in. Um, but yeah, it's just this really beautiful time. And then for actual Noruz, you're supposed to set up this altar. And it's called the Haft Scene, which means seven S's. And there are seven things that begin with the letter S in Farsi, obviously. And they each symbolize something different. And then there are other things you put on there. One of the things that you do is you grow sprouts. It can be any kind of sprout. Um, think like wheatgrass, shit like that, you know. And it symbolizes green and growth and new beginnings. Uh, you put a mirror, which represents looking deeper at yourself. I'm not going to go through all of the things. If you're interested, DM me and I will go through all the things with you. But a lot of it is about bringing in abundance and prosperity and happiness and self-reflection in the new year. I think this is a really beautiful note to start this episode on, whether you know, you're the one plus Iranian listening or not. I actually think there's so much beauty in it and there's so much takeaway for all of us. And I kind of like to think of this coming month as self-improvement month. So think Aries month, right? That's the first sign of the astrological new year. And Aries is a very fiery kind of go-getter, make shit happen kind of sign. And I think this is a really good time for all of us listening right now to devote to that kind of Aries energy and bring self-improvement into it. So we can all maybe focus on where can we improve our careers? Where can we improve our relationships? Where can we improve our sex lives? Where can we bring in more fulfillment with our lives? And most importantly, how can we improve the relationship that we have with ourselves? So I'm going to devote the next four episodes during this time to really focus on these different areas and try to provide some tools and resources to do so. I also have two pieces of homework for everyone who's listening, if you're interested. Number one, to really go through and do some spring cleaning. Now, I will not be partaking in this, but in all fairness, I'm in Australia, so I'm not at home. I don't have the resources to do spring cleaning in my apartment right now. I will get to it when I come back from Australia. I mean, I guess I could tidy up around here, but honestly, Ozzy does all of the cleaning. It's kind of incredible. I've barely cleaned since I've been here. He just does everything. So I really, you know, don't want to start chipping in and then he'll stop doing it. <laughs> 
this is a terrible episode. It's just about how I'm playing like weird mind games with my boyfriend. Uh, no. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to be doing the spring cleaning. But what I am going to do today and that I really recommend everyone else does is journaling what you want out of this next year. But here's the kicker, and it's kind of cheesy, and I don't know if I really believe in it, but whatever, I'm just going to say it, and I'm going to try it, and if you're intrigued, try it with me. So in your journal, date it as a year from now, so the end of Pisces season of 2023, that would be, yes. So figure out what that end date is. You know what? I'll just look it up real quick. Hold on. Okay. So the last day would be March 19th, 2023. So date your journal March 19th, 2023 and write as your future you and thank the universe for all of these things that you wanted to get this year that came through. Right. So it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of, you know, that like law of attraction. You like act like you already have it, blah, blah. I don't know if it works. I kind of want to do a full episode on do we think manifestation is bullshit or is it real? That's not going to be today, but it is kind of something I'm interested in. If you are interested in hearing about that, DM me and let me know. But yeah, I just want to do this. And one thing I would say is don't be too, too, too specific in the how. So let's say you want to bring in a certain amount of money. I wouldn't be specific about how that money comes to you. Or let's say you are currently seeing someone, right? Let's call him Tom. And you really hope that you end up in a serious relationship with Tom. I would not write down like, thank you universe for making things work out with me and Tom. Because for all you know, there could be someone way better out there for you than Tom who's just lurking around the corner. So I wouldn't be specific in that way, but get really specific about how you want to feel. So yeah, that's just a tip, just a quick suggestion. It's something I'm going to do. I would love it if you guys did it with me. If you don't want to, whatever, that's fine. Moving along. So I spent yesterday at Ozzy's brother's house with his kids. So Ozzy's nieces. I believe they're six and nine, but I could be wrong about those numbers. And When we first got there, we were in the backyard and they have a huge trampoline with a giant net around it. And the girls are jumping on the trampoline and playing all these games and being silly and being fun and doing handstand competitions. It turns out that when I try to do a handstand, my legs only go up to about like 30 degrees. If you don't know what that means, I mean, they're like I'm barely getting any air. It's just embarrassing. And you know why I'm not getting any air, aside from just not being physically fit? It's because I'm scared. I'm scared of fucking everything. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't have a trampoline. Not to say that everyone needs a trampoline. But the thing is, my parents wouldn't let me do anything adventurous and fun. It's just not within their nature. And so... I never got to experience those things, and I grew up being afraid of everything that I consider to be fun. 
And I was just watching these kids jumping and playing and laughing and crying when one of them tumbled out of the net. And it was actually really funny. She's fine. Um, And I was just thinking to myself, what magic it is to be a child. I just, I don't think there's any more magical creature on this planet than children. And I think it's because they're not fucked up yet by our world, by our society. They still have intuition. They still have optimism. They're not jaded. They think anything is possible. And it's the process of being on this planet that kind of fucks all that up. And I kind of think that as adults, we actually spend a lot of time, whether consciously or subconsciously, trying to reconnect with our childhood magic. So one example that kind of comes to my mind, and if you watched How I Met Your Mother, you might remember this. There was an episode where they're retelling random funny things that they did in the past, like they're telling the story, and then everyone else has to guess if in the story they were a kid or they were drunk. And I remember a friend of mine who's a mom was telling me something silly that her, you know, like two, three, four-year-old boy did. And she's like, I swear, sometimes he acts like he's drunk. And I was like, well, that's because being drunk is kind of like being a kid. And frankly, I think a huge part of the reason why we drink is to reconnect with that childhood sense of fun and silliness and play. So watching the girls yesterday really had me inspired and it really got me thinking, how can we reconnect with our childhood self? How can we tap into that energy of fun and excitement and just silliness and not really giving a shit and thinking that anything is still possible and we still have our whole lives ahead of us and getting out of this mindset of, work and and not to say that you shouldn't work that's not where I'm going with this but this mindset of like I have to do this I have to do that and you know this is my life and there's nothing I can do to change it how can we take one action step this week to just tap into that childhood fun and I don't know what it is for you maybe spend some time thinking about or journaling on what did I love as a kid Like, what would I have loved to do? What did I want to do? What was I thinking about all the time? What did I want to wear? What hair color did I want to have? What accessories did I want to have? And then pick something on that list that appeals to you. And frankly, that's feasible. And see if you can carry it out this week. Just a thought. I don't know. It's something... I want to try to do, of course, all the things that I really wanted to do as a kid that weren't accessible to me, I'm now afraid of. So what bullshit is that? But I'm going to try to find something and I'm going to try to do it. And if you're listening and any part of this intrigues you, I would encourage you to try to do the same. Okay, coming back to... I guess manifestation kind of. So I mentioned I've been toying with the idea of doing a full episode on manifestation and not so much like how to manifest or things like that, but actually, truly, is it bullshit? Like, is it confirmation bias, right? Like, 
let's say I really wanted to manifest a boyfriend. I now am in a relationship that looks and feels exactly like what I had always written down. Did I manifest that or did I just go out on a ton of dates and really address some of my own, you know, attachment issues, blah, 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 and finally found a person that represented that. And it just happened because eventually it does, right? It Was that actually universal magic or was that just life, you know? Like, let's say you want a carton of milk and you go to a store and buy it. I don't think anyone would think of that as manifestation. So, was this me manifesting or was it closer to the carton of milk? I don't know. Again, this isn't that episode, but I was doing a ton of research and I ended up in this Reddit rabbit hole and someone posted something that really got me interested. So apparently there's this philosopher, I guess. I think he's a philosopher named Neville Goddard. He died in 1972. I think most of his works are from around the 40s, 50s, that time era. He's written a lot about mysticism, self-help, the Bible, various things. He never called anything that he wrote on manifestation, but if you start to read about it, it'll sound a lot like manifestation, what we know of now as manifestation. And he has something that he calls the ladder exercise. So he would tell people for three nights, as you're falling asleep, visualize yourself climbing a ladder. And then within a week, allegedly, you'll find yourself in a situation where you actually end up climbing a ladder. Okay, now let me backtrack. There are specific rules to this. So you're supposed to visualize yourself climbing a ladder in first person. And what I mean by that is when you close your eyes, you don't want to be able to see your body climbing the ladder. You want to actually like look out through your eyes, you know, approach the ladder, put your hands on, put your feet on, climb, 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 go up the rungs, go up and down the ladder the entire time staying first person which I found to be exceptionally difficult to do. It was only then that I realized in all of my visualization work, I don't really visualize myself doing things in first person that much. I will start to, but then I keep going to third person. It seems to be very difficult for me to stay in first person, which I've never noticed before. And then another thing you're supposed to do during those three days is put post-it notes up everywhere that says, I will not climb a ladder. And I've been doing a ton of research and everyone says that when they do it within a week, or I've heard some people say within a few weeks, they end up climbing a ladder. I did hear a few people say that they ended up seeing a ladder. So here's my take on this. First off, I find it to be exceptionally hard to believe that this will actually go down. I just, logically, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, if you end up seeing a ladder, that I'm not impressed by. Ladders are not that uncommon, and I think that if you're spending your time thinking about ladders, you're definitely going to notice every ladder that you see. So that's not, to me, impressive or interesting or really worth talking about. But if you end up climbing a ladder, 
I will be impressed by that. And I have to say it kind of terrifies me because I can't think of a whole lot of scenarios in which you'd be forced to climb a ladder. Like, it, it would my apartment be on fire and I'd have to climb out a ladder? That sounds awful. I really hope that does not happen. But I was really intrigued and I was like, huh, I should try this. Um, now, I will say I don't have post-it notes. I didn't go buy them. I'm not going to do that part of it. I didn't do that part of it. I'm done with the three nights of visualization. So I did not do that part of it. I did do a lot of research on why that part, and I came up with a few answers that seem interesting. The first thing I heard was that he wanted to illustrate that it isn't your conscious thoughts that affect it. It's the deeper work that affect the outcome. The other thing I read was that putting the post-it notes up that say, I will not climb a ladder, make you less attached to the outcome. I don't know. Either way, I didn't do that part of it. I did do the three nights of visualization. Like I said, it was a lot harder than I thought, but it did kind of help me drift off to sleep. Now, it hasn't been a week since I've done it yet. I will say I have not climbed any ladders yet. I would be shocked if I end up climbing ladders. Let me be very clear about that. But if I end up climbing a ladder, you best believe I will let you know immediately And I will kind of lose my shit and I will stand corrected and I will really have to think a lot about what the fuck is going on here in this universe because that would be wild. I tried to make Ozzy do it with me too, but he said he was having a hard time visualizing it. So yeah, I don't know. In addition to spring cleaning, the journaling, the connecting with your childhood self, if you're intrigued by this, try it out. And let me know if it works because I'm fascinated. I will update you next week and probably for the next few weeks as to whether I'm climbing ladders or not. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It reminds me of me being a little kid and being so obsessed with magic. And I was so into, um, you know, like the Narnia books. And I would go into my parents' walk-in closet and close the door in hopes that I'd be transported to, you know, Narnia. Or um, after Alice in Wonderland, I kept trying to walk through mirrors to go to another magical universe. Like, you know, I knew it probably wouldn't happen, but good God, did I want it to happen. So this is kind of similar. Do I actually think that I'm going to end up magically climbing a ladder No, it seems highly unlikely. But would I love for it to happen? Yes. Would I have my mind blown? Yes. Would it kind of prove a little magic to me? Yes. It would be so cool. So yeah, if you're intrigued by this, try it out. Update me. I'm also curious to see if other people have a hard time visualizing in first person. And if that doesn't make sense, DM me. I can clarify. And I can also send the exact instructions of what you're supposed to do if you want to do it perfectly. But yeah, that's that on the ladder exercise. Okay, so what I really wanted to talk about today are ways that you can up-level your life. I've been reflecting a lot the past few weeks on all of my friends' lives, and I kind of have two groups of friends. I mean, not like groups of friends as in they're friends with each other. I mean, I can group my friends into two groups. 
There are some whose lives seem to have drastically improved in the past 6 to 12 months, and there are others who seem very stagnant. And I don't think being stagnant is necessarily a bad thing, but the people that I'm thinking of seem to be trapped in the same shitty relationships or jobs that they absolutely hate or just low self-worth behavior and places. And those people want to change. They want to get out of these situations, but they don't seem able to do so. Whereas the, uh, the rest of my friends, their lives have just transformed. So people are finding relationships. They're Job situations are improving. The way they feel about themselves, which frankly is the most important thing, seems to be really improving. So even if it's not material things like, you know, the job, the boyfriend, the accolades, the money, whatever, the way they are, the peace they have within themselves seems to have really changed. And this isn't me casting judgment, but I know I personally would like to be in that first group. And I would imagine that anyone who listens to this podcast would also like to be in that first group. So I started studying them and looking at what it is that they do differently. And I came up with seven things that all or most of them seem to be doing. So I'm going to run through this list Take notes, re-listen to this episode, but these are seven things that based on this little case study, I think will change your life for the better within six months. Number one, and I think this is probably the single most important thing, they're brutally honest with themselves. What I mean by this is they don't spiritual bypass So they don't act like things are okay when they're not. They own their feelings. When they're triggered, hurt, upset, whatever it is, they're not just like, oh, everything's fine. They go in, they look at it, and they address it. I heard this quote recently that really applies here. Nothing that is hidden heals. And I think it's the most spot on thing and frankly, maybe the most important thing. So in contrast, people from the second group, I notice are constantly spiritually bypassing. So I have one friend who got out of a really, really long, incredibly toxic relationship. And when she got out of it, she immediately was like, oh, I'm so happy it's over. Like, I can't believe I dated him for so long. How embarrassing is this? Blah, blah, blah. All those things which are great to realize. Now, before she was even out of this relationship, she immediately started talking to another guy. And she never really had time to reflect on the hurt and the pain of that long, toxic relationship. And anytime, you know, I kind of asked her about it, she would get really angry and really nasty with me. And she said something that I will never forget. She goes, I'm just trying to be positive and not think about it. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, you do you. Guess where she is now? She's back. In that long toxic relationship. Contra the people from the first group who 
anytime something has gone wrong that's been really, really painful, that would be so much easier to just be like, I just want to think positive. I just want to be positive. I just don't want to think about it. I just want to move on. Instead, they've sat there and been like, this really fucking sucks. And I need to sit in this pain. I need to sit with this pain and I need to grow through it. And none of the people in that first group are still in the same murky situations that they hate. Now, some are still in situations that they don't like. Like I can think of one person specifically who's in a job that she really doesn't like, but she's getting there. She's growing that strength to get out of it. And meanwhile, she'll acknowledge everything that she hates about the job and she also acknowledges every way that she's learning and growing and getting skills from the position that she's still in. So that person to me is so much better off than the person who just rushed out of the job and was like, fuck it and found something else because she's actually being honest with herself. She's uncovering the things that hurt and healing them. Okay, the second thing I've noticed and it kind of goes hand in hand with the first thing is that they cut out things that aren't serving them when they're ready. And a lot of this, a lot of the people in this group, I mean relationships. And I don't just mean romantic relationships. Actually, the vast majority of the people that I'm thinking of have exited friendships or put really strong boundaries in relationships that they couldn't quite exit that really weren't serving them. And I think this is really hard. I think with romantic relationships, it's a lot easier to see when you need to exit it. Like for example, with Van Guy, I knew that I didn't want my romantic relationship to feel like that relationship. I had always wanted a partner who I can be really silly and goofy and joke around with. I mean, I think number one thing on my list for years was to have that childhood play kind of connection. And I didn't have that with Van Guy. Now, he did give me a lot of other things, like he was really in touch with his feelings, really in touch with his emotions. He was really upfront. He was an excellent communicator. And that's why I dated him. And I think I needed that in that moment. But I also, you know, through the few months that I dated him, realized that he just is kind of a more serious guy. Like he's just not like jokey, fun. Like he's just not capable of being that partner that I wanted the way that I wanted to feel in a relationship. I just knew wasn't possible with him. But with friendships, I think it's really different Because the expectations and rules of friendships are less defined and much more subjective. So it's a lot harder to see when a friendship really isn't serving you. And at the same time, with a partner, if things aren't working out, you kind of have to break up eventually because you want to make room for another partner, right? Whereas in friendships, it's like you can have unlimited numbers of friends. So it's not like one friend is necessarily taking the space of another friend. I mean, they could if they're really energetically draining on you. But I'm just saying the rules are less defined, so it's harder to see. And I rarely recommend fully ending friendships, even though I have 
and I have somewhat recently, but my intention really was not to fully end that friendship. With me, I just kind of started putting up boundaries and expectations of how I wanted to be treated, and when I saw that this person wasn't capable of providing that, I just was less available to her. That's all it was. I just, you know, slowly talked to her less. And it wasn't this very conscious decision. It was just like, I don't want to be treated like shit. Like, I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want people in my close circle who have such a difficult time looking at themselves. And so I just was kind of turned off by her and was talking to her less. And then, I mean, she ended the friendship. And frankly, everything in my life has been so much better since then. So I'm not saying that you necessarily have to cut people out. But I would take a very hard look at the relationships in your life that are draining you. See how you feel around people. I mean, for me... I got shingles because I was so stressed with this friend's constant drama and the fact that she couldn't not dump it on me. And anytime I tried to put up boundaries, I was literally screamed at. So if you have relationships, things in your life that are really draining you, even jobs, I'm not saying jump out of them at all. But I am saying, you know, go back to step one and be really honest with yourself about what's happening. And if it's something that you need to put up boundaries, like with friends, it's really easy to not, you know, dramatically stop being friends, but to just almost like downgrade them in your life from your inner circle to your outer circle. With a job, you know, don't leave it immediately, but start thinking of what you still need from this job and eventually where you want to move to and start putting things in motion. Because the more we cut out what actually isn't a good fit for us, the more we have space in our lives for the things that are a good fit. Okay, the third thing is that... The people who have all up-leveled their lives, the group one, if we will, have a really good gratitude practice in their lives. Now, before I move on, I actually really would recommend going back and listening to, I think it's episode 66. It's five scientifically proven ways to feel happier, I think. And I don't think that gratitude works in this kind of woo-woo law of attraction, the secret kind of way where it's like, oh, you're grateful, so the universe will give you more. I don't know, maybe it does, who knows, but that's not what I actually think. What I do think and that I explain in that episode and that a field of psychology called positive psychology has proven is that when you force yourself to look for things to be grateful for, you're strengthening that part of your brain. So the concept, and I'll repeat it here, is for 21 days, you want to list three things per day that you're grateful for, but they have to be three different things each day. And the way that I do this, I mean, you could journal it. That would make it a lot easier. I just don't. I often do it in bed at night. The way that you want to do this is, or the way that I do it so that I'm not repetitive is I pick three things about that day and that just makes the likelihood of overlap less. But what happens here is 
as you're scanning for the new things, your brain starts building new neural pathways that look for the good in life. And the more you keep doing this, you keep strengthening those neural pathways. So it's essentially like weightlifting for your brain, where instead of building muscle, what you're doing is you're building your brain's capacity to look for the good things in life. And this is literally scientifically proven to make you happier if you do it for 21 days. And on that note, I want to share... My friend Caitlin Bebb, who is a life coach, a speaker, an author, she's absolutely amazing. She's been on this podcast. I did a two-parter with her. It's episodes 54 and 55 from December 3rd, 2021 and December 10th, 2021. They're called Embracing Your Authentic Self with Caitlin Bebb. She's amazing. You can go back to listen to that. Anyway, Caitlin is leading a 21-day rewiring ritual. So it's a challenge for 21 days, and the challenge is dedicated towards strengthening your happiness habits based on the principles that I talked about in that episode that I just mentioned, the five scientifically proven ways, blah, blah, blah. Um, So she actually, I think, is going to incorporate things from that and some of her own things, but it's going to include things like short evening gratitude practice, visualization, and more. It's going to be in a group setting. You'll receive encouragement, support, and accountability for the three weeks. The best part, it's free. So if you're looking to incorporate actionable steps to scientifically increase your happiness levels, this is a really good jumpstart for you. Head over to Caitlin's Instagram at Caitlin Bebb, C-A-I-T-L-I-N-B-E-B-B. For more information, kickoff is Saturday, March 26th. So this upcoming Saturday, I'm going to join. I would love to see the Blush community show up for this. It's free. It's easy. It's accessible. It's a great way to build community, and it's a really good way to up-level your life. Okay, moving on to number four. Group one, every single person in group one has some form of connecting with nature. And it looks really different for everyone in this group, but all of them are connecting with nature in some ways. So for some of them, it's tuning into their bodies and eating intuitively. For more information on that, check out episode 65, I think. It's with Mary Nyrie. It's uh, something about living rich and intuitive eating. For some of them, it's hiking, camping, you know, mountain climbing, swimming in the ocean, doing cold plunges, whatever. For some of them, it's just learning about their menstrual cycles and really honoring those and living in tune with the menstrual cycle. If you're interested in that, check out episode 67 with Green Colleen. For me, it looks like taking really long walks outdoors, which is something that just brings me a lot of happiness. I've also always yearned to live on the beach and, you know, I was able to organize that here in Sydney, which is just amazing. But, you know, that really 
I have to acknowledge it comes from a place of privilege to be able to do that. It doesn't have to be that extravagant, but just some way of connecting with your own nature or the nature outside of you. You know, touch trees. If you're somewhere where it's warm enough right now, take your shoes off and walk barefoot in the grass. Figure out what nature really means to you and how you can connect with that. Moving on to number five, and this is a really good one. Everyone in group one has social media boundaries. Should I stop calling them group one? Should I give them a better name like the cycle breakers, the up levelers, the up levelers? I like that. Okay, group one is now called up levelers. So all of my up levelers have really strong social media boundaries. So they don't follow anyone who doesn't light them up or inspire them in some way. If they do have to follow them, like let's say it's like your mom, your sister, whatever, they'll have them muted if their posts don't light them up. They don't use Finstas. I think back on when I first made my Finsta at a friend's suggestion, and I was kind of using it heavily to stalk people, and it is the most depressed I've ever been. Like I was checking up on guys I liked and going down weird rabbit holes, like stalking their friends. Like it just, it was such a depressing place to be in. Or I'd use it to look at people's stories if I didn't want them to know that I was looking at their stories. And it's just such gameplay behavior. Like I have a friend who once told me, she's like, yeah, I use my Finsta to stalk people's stories unless I want them to know that I'm looking at their stories. And she just was playing all these bizarre mind games. And she is someone who's in group two, whose life is stagnant, who's unhappy with literally everything in her life. Now, do I think it's necessarily because she was using her Finsta? No, but I think it's actually a big part of it. And it's not the fact that you're using a Finsta that's going to make you depressed. I think it's the energy around it. It's that game playing behavior. It's that looking at things constantly. And I actually did some research on this. And I think we've all heard that, you know, using social media makes you depressed. But this study I found was really fascinating. It shows that the more passively we use social media, the more depressing it is. And when we actually look at someone's content and engage with it, it can have the opposite effect. But when we're looking at people's content without engaging, so that would be Finsta use specifically, definitely falls into that we feel dramatically more depressed. And when we're more depressed, it's really hard to make changes into our lives. So do I think it's connected? Yes. And I think it's that energy of, you know, creeping on people and checking up on people's lives when you don't want them to know. If you don't want them to know that you're checking up on their lives, then why are you? Because it's always for bad reasons. You're either stalking a guy that you like and you don't want him to know, That's not going to bring you fulfillment or happiness or you're checking up on your ex. That's certainly not going to bring you happiness. You're checking up on someone who, you know, you have some tension with or, you know, uh, an ex of someone like it's never going to bring you happiness. I personally have completely stopped using my Finsta. I also don't look at who checks my stories. 
the only way that I now use my social media is I use it to promote the podcast, I use it to post food pictures, and I use it to engage with people, whether they're real life friends or just social media friends, but I actually engage with them. I don't really passively scroll, I don't really passively use stories, and I will tell you, my happiness levels have increased so much the more I do that. Number six, all of my up-levelers seem to care less and less about other people's opinions. And now this is kind of, I don't know, it's a tricky thing to talk about. I have a hard time kind of summarizing my views here because I don't think it's, like, I don't think you need to completely cut out other people's opinions. I think there are ways that you can actually check in with people and also give a shit about what people say. Like having no shame is not a good thing. It's kind of a sociopathic thing. Shame is there for a reason. We're social animals. We have a desire to belong in the tribe. But what I've noticed about my up-levelers is that they're not constantly asking for opinions, but when they do ask for feedback or advice, what they're doing is they're actually using it as an opportunity to bounce ideas off and get more clarity on what's actually going on within their souls. And I was thinking about this. Other people's opinions and advice is what had me playing super gnarly games with Ozzy the first time around when we were dating. And you can hear more about that in the last episode from 2021. It's the New Year's Eve episode. And it really fucked everything up with us. Other people's opinions and advice is also why I dated Van Guy for as long as I did. I wanted to break up with him week one, but it was a friend who was like, oh my God, no, you should keep dating him. And I was so stuck on her opinions and feedback on things that I wasn't actually listening to myself. And honestly, other people's opinions is what had me following a career that really was not for me. I mean, I didn't even want to go to law school. I did it because my dad kind of forced me to. And I mean, like, what did he put a gun to my head? No, I just was so afraid of displeasing him. So I think there's a bit of a dance, right, between healthy shame and a healthy desire to fit in in community. And then also just giving away too much of our power to other people's opinions. All of my up-levelers have such a strong relationship with themselves and their intuition, and that really comes with practice. So if you're someone who's outsourcing your decisions all the time, and I think signs of that are you're asking other people about like what to wear, like you're running your outfits by other people. You're asking other people about dating things, like what should I reply, what should I say? You're asking other people to like draft emails for you. You're asking other people about what your body needs in the moment. And, you know, some of these are fine, but if you're doing a lot of these things, I would challenge you for one week to not ask a single person for opinions or advice and just make your own decisions. And then from there, you can start incorporating it again in a healthy way. Okay, number seven. And this is something we've never talked about on the podcast, but I think we need to start talking about it more. 
a lot of my up levelers, not every single one, but a lot of them have a good relationship with money. And by that, I don't mean that they necessarily have a lot of money. Some of them actually aren't financially where they want to be and they'd like to be in a different place. But what I do mean by that are very specific things. They look at their bank account. I'm curious how many people listening right now are terrified to look at their bank account. They're terrified to log into their online banking. I've been there. And here are some tips I can give. Log in and look at it. Just look at it. If you're in a lot of debt, I heard something really nice the other day. Debt is a decision to pay for something over time. There is no reason to feel shame around debt. In fact, we all have some level of debt. We live in a society that is designed for debt. Things like education and real property are priced in a way where it's literally impossible to get them without debt. I have a mortgage. I have no shame over that now. There is societal stigma over what type of debt is good and what type of debt is bad. But I just want to say there is no shame around debt. And if you want to have less debt, the first step is to look at it. See exactly how much debt you have and what you can do. If you have credit cards that have been canceled because of debt, you can actually call up the bank or the issuer, and they'll always work with you. And often they get rid of like 50% of it. But just start looking at it. Another thing I'd recommend, automate your credit card payments. I never pay off my credit cards. It's all automated automatically. Every month it comes out of my bank account. Now that does mean that I have to be careful about my spending and make sure I'm not spending more than I have. And sometimes that's not feasible. Sometimes you choose to go into credit card debt because it's actually kind of a decent interest rate loan. It's 36%. I mean, if you were to get a payday loan, it would be like a thousand percent interest. So sometimes it's worth going into credit card debt for something, in which case you don't want to be automated, but maybe have one credit card that's reserved for if you need debt essentially. The rest of them have them automated and then only use that one credit card when you're in a situation where you don't have the liquidity to do what you want to do, but you need it in that moment. And that's fine. I would also recommend looking through all of your cards, all of your accounts, and see what subscriptions you're subscribed to that you don't need anymore. Also, look for things that seem like a red flag. My parents had like 40 grand stolen from them over the course of a year or more in really small amounts. So there was credit card fraud, but not enough to tip anyone off. It was only when they were starting to go through things for their taxes where they're like, wait, what was this like $2 purchase at this gas station in Montana? Like, That wasn't us. We've never been in Montana. And then they started going through it. And it was really small amounts at a time, but it ended up being a huge figure. So if we're afraid to look at our 
online statements, you're going to miss these little things. The other day, you know, inspired by looking at my up levelers, I went in, I realized I had all these subscriptions to things I'd never even heard of. So I disputed them with my credit card company. There were some subscriptions that I had that I did sign up for, but that I didn't need anymore, like the Peloton streaming service. I've used that bike one time. I hate it. I'm never going to use it again. Canceled that. I also realized that I had cash back on all of my credit cards. So I had like $3,000 come in from credit card cash back that had been building up over the years. So you really, you have to face this to be able to get anywhere. So if you're someone who really wants to bring in more money this year, going back to the beginning of the episode, if one of the things that you're going to write down in your future journaling is like, thank you universe for bringing in X amount of money, you have to start being real with yourself. You have to start looking at these things and you have to start getting comfortable with money. And I know it's hard. I know it's sticky. And I know, frankly, that I'm speaking slightly from a position of privilege, but I've been in credit card debt before. I have. And I, you know, finally started looking at things and addressing it and fixing it. One kind of fun thing that I'd recommend also is change your online banking password to something that's inspirational and motivational to you. And also in your online banking, you can change what your bank accounts are called. So mine are things that are motivational and inspirational to me. Basically, you want to clean up your money house. Clean up your wallet. Do you have old receipts in there that you don't need anymore? Are your bills folded in messy ways? Straighten them out. Group them together in an order. Take out all the trash. Treat your money house, whether it's the physical one like your wallet or the digital one like your online banking, treat it well, treat it with respect. Don't be afraid of it. And I promise you, your relationship with money will improve. So in conclusion, these are the seven things that I've noticed that my uplevelers have been doing that have completely transformed their lives, whether they're in better jobs, better relationships, happier, have more inner peace, have a better relationship with themselves. You know, some of them have all five, some of them just have some of the five, but some of the five is worth it. And frankly, that last one, the better relationship with yourself is the most important thing. And that's what we're all about in Blush. So these are seven things that I really want to focus on, that I hope you will focus on. And I'm going to tack two on that are personal goals of mine. One for me is being a little bit more bold about asking for and creating opportunities. So I have a tendency to wait for things to come to me. Like I seem to think, you know, before I used to think that like, a guy would just fall through my ceiling. I was hesitant to get on dating apps. I finally did. Now I have this kind of view with work stuff. I kind of wait for people to reach out to me when I actually could be reaching out. I could be DMing. I could be emailing. I could be looking for and creating opportunities for myself. And the second one is I really want to start speaking my mind more. I'm going to leave you with a quick story. A couple of weeks ago, Ozzy and I met up with one of his friends slash co-workers at this bar. 
and we're having drinks and we order food and I ordered these things that are called scallops. They're not like the sea creature. It's a potato thing in Australia. It's potatoes that are breaded and fried. They're delicious. And I also ordered this vegan burger. Now, the vegan burger was described as a lentil quinoa patty, beautiful, amazing, sounds delicious, with arugula and tomato and this and that. They brought out the saddest looking bun with like iceberg lettuce and tomato. Fine, I'll let the arugula go. Who cares? But the patty itself was rock hard like rock hard. Like if I threw it at someone, they would start bleeding. That's how hard it was. Like I was afraid of losing teeth when I was biting into it. It was disgusting. The flavors would have been good, but it was disgusting. And, you know, we passed it around the table. Everyone took a bite. Everyone commented on how, I mean, it should not have been served. Like it's beyond me that the kitchen sent that out. Now, when they came to take our food, the server said, oh, how was everything? And Ozzy and I go, oh, it was great. Thank you. And Ozzy's friend was like, uh, no, the burger was terrible. It is rock hard. It probably would have been good had it not been so hard, but it's really, truly kind of inedible. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, and left. Now, I also want to emphasize, we had already paid. His intention with saying something was not so that we get it for free or like we were done eating. We had already paid. There was no free food. There was none of that coming. He just was like, be honest. It was bad. Why would you say it was good? It hurts them if you're lying because now they know and hopefully they won't overcook it or whatever they did or they'll tweak the recipe because this is not okay. And if they serve this to other people, they'll leave them bad reviews. It hurts them in the end. Just speak your mind. Just be honest. It's better for everyone. And it was this kind of light bulb moment for me how much, like how difficult it is for so many of us to do that. So yeah, those are just my two bonus things that I really want to bring in. But those first seven, I've seen with my own eyes work for multiple people. So I really do hope that you incorporate them. And going back to the beginning of the episode, do the journaling, do the connecting with the inner child, do the spring cleaning and see which of these seven things light you up and pursue them. And definitely, definitely, definitely check out Caitlin's 21 day challenge. I'm going to be doing it. I would so love it if you guys did it with me. Love you so much. Thank you for listening to me ramble for an hour. This podcast is everything. This community is everything. I'm so energized, so excited about it. I appreciate it so much when you guys listen. And I also really, really, really appreciate it when you leave reviews. It helps the podcast so much. I know it's an annoying thing to do. I know pretty much no one really leaves reviews. I know it's annoying. I know you have to go through steps. But honestly, it's a free thing that you can do that really, really helps me. And also just sharing the story. When you share it in your Instagram stories, people see, they come and listen. When you share it with your friends, it grows the community. So thank you so much for doing it. Love you guys so much. See you next week. <laughs>